I'm such a firm believer in like this weird form of pessimistic op- optimism or like nothing's wrong, nothing can really go wrong and nothing will go wrong. And if something is wrong, you'll just find yourself doing what you need to fix it. And everyone's in their own stage of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can't see that in other people and apply it, then uh, you're in your own trap. All right. Welcome, everyone. I have uh, Christopher here from Before the Crow's Nest is your um, it's your YouTube channel name. Yeah, it's just kind of a name I came up with when I left the church, because even then we'll probably get into it. I was like, I kind of don't want Mormon in the name because I'm interested in like things that are connected to it, but not just it. So I need something a little offset. But anyway, so people call me Christopher, people call me Crow, whatever. It's a thing. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, for people that aren't unfamiliar with um, your work, let's have, well, first let's do like a two minute Mormon story. Well, I mean, I don't know. I'm not that interesting anyway. I'm born and raised Mormon, um, mixed faith household. My dad's side was Catholic and he wasn't a member uh, until after I had left the house and done college and stuff. Uh, But my mom raised us Mormon and he was just kind of fine with it. Um, And so, you know, baptism, got the priesthood and all that. Uh, Went on a brief mission uh, to Cape Verde in uh, Africa. It's islands off the West Coast. Uh, And I say brief because I have chronic pain problems and volcanic rocky islands and what I was going through just like didn't mix. So the first presidency actually just they guess they ended up saying, no, just send them home. And I did some like service temple stuff when I got home. And then I married an ex-Mormon a few years after that. <laughs> and, uh, and then seven years later, I became an ex-Mormon. So that's that's the bullet point trajectory, I guess you'd say. No way. Yeah. Ah, Pine Creek theorem holds then. <laughs> what is that? I don't think I know that one. Um, so I got into um this like Christian apologetic stint, as well as ex Christians, and so there's this channel called Pine Creek. I think it's just Pine Creek YouTube channel. Okay. Atheist guy, and um, the Pine Creek theorem is that um. I think women have converted more people to Christianity than the Bible, or I can't remember. It was basically women are something and then they convert their, their partner or whatever. I see. Okay. It was actually, I don't know. My, my wife didn't ever pressure me at all. We had a really ecumenical relationship. Um, She was there when I ended up having questions and stuff. Uh, But there, yeah, we never really, talked about it all that much we just kind of lived our lives and didn't pressure each other one way or another so I don't know that's interesting yeah um so question and so you say your wife was ex-mormon well you know the thing I've been thinking lately is like okay not so much defined by what we're not right so what is she like what were her beliefs uh I mean kind of like I just said she just kind of like lives her life too like if someone asked her she'd just kind of say I guess I'm an atheist like I don't believe we're kind of similar like don't believe in a god but like something's going on that none of us understand right yeah yeah. that's that's, that sounds like what I that's how I feel too and the other thing is is when you use the atheist uh it's almost the same as ex-Mormon, right? Like, it's just like, yeah. I am, right? It's and Yeah, we both are, we both give atheists and ex-Mormons as much crap as we do believers. So. Right, yeah. Yes, yes. Um, so, yeah. What? So what were the stages that you went through? Like, how, how did this all play out for you? Um, well, I mean... 
I guess very Mormon of me, I'll just put it to a letter. The, the three C's, I was convinced as a kid, people would say indoctrinated. Um, and then I was conflicted as a teen and then confused as an adult. And now I'm here. Yeah. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't have a fourth C because after confusion, uh, I think once you figure out why you're confused, you we just you know, just kind of go on with your, our lives. And uh, that's its own journey. I haven't put any other letters to it, I guess. You're yeah. still in it, I guess. Yeah. Still journeying. Did or, you I don't get... need it, or I don't need letters anymore. I just like the journey as it is. It's a language I don't know. Why put a letter on it mm. in my own language kind of thing. Yeah. So um, relationships with family then, have has that been <laughs> rough? or fine or rough with my family uh fine with like the in-law family and that's more or less because my wife was out of it well before I came along anyway so they had already had years under their belt of having their own discussions about it and whatnot and uh so it wasn't really they were happy, I guess, probably, you know, that I came along and I was Mormon and she wanted to be with me. Um, so at the time it was like an odd mix that they, it was probably, yeah. I have that and, and in now, my family. That's a different story, but go yeah. ahead. <laughs> and and now it's, again, like I said earlier, like how my wife and I were, it's mostly ecumenical. We've had some discussions, I uh, think with things that have come up with uh, family members, but it's, all few and far between and we just like love and accept each other my family and I we don't talk too much uh and that's a much more complicated matter <clears throat> isn't even necessarily there's things outside of it being connected to me having left the church and doing the things I'm doing now so mm. yeah that's neither here nor there really but relationships with like friends and like I live right across from a church and my neighbor's been in the bishopric and whatnot like all fine and happy and living a good community lifestyle and getting along so um yeah it's kind of a mixed bag hmm. not a not a are you you don't miss like community aspects of no. of you no. don't nothing. I'm not that kind of person and that's I've, I've come to learn that's much more personal thing i don't meet yeah. any people who are uh as like that as i am uh, close to it but they kind of get sick of it after a while but interesting yeah we'll probably get more into that later too yeah so yeah uh bridge building with like ex-mormons and uh members like what are your thoughts on that i don't know that's what i'm interested in i'm just curious if that yeah do you care or you're just like people I, are gonna I do what they do. do well they are gonna do what they do and but I I I guess if I was gonna say I cared about anything it would be that more people recognize that um because there's just so many different people you can talk to and conversations you can have like you know we have the people in the lobster group they're so different from the people in Jacob Hansen's thoughtful faith group and they're so different from all the ex-Mormons and Mormon stories and all the people in your group and Mormon discussions like there's just too many ways to go about it everyone's doing their own thing they're figuring it out how they need to which was kind of a big thing for my wife and I <clears throat> and why and she was really more a proponent of this because you know as a member there were times where I was like you know, I remember a missionary I'm, mar I'm married to her. I got to get her back. Da, 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 da. But she was just like, no, everyone has their own path. Like he'll figure it out eventually. I don't need to pressure him. I'll just deal with anything. It's not a big deal. Um, and that's just how everyone's figuring it out. That's why we're sure. here talking. That's why everyone has their channels doing their thing. Right. Um, yeah. Well, I guess I, I feel like if you don't have bridges though, you can't figure that out. Right. Like you yeah, start labeling this thing, like, Oh, they're evil. Like they're bad and I'm good. And the people that think like me are good. And the people that think like, not like my tribe. Yeah. Not good. Like, right. Absolutely. Um, so I guess that's why when I think of bridge building, it's not about bringing people to my side or, you know what I mean? It's more just about recognizing that, there are different 
Yeah, well, and I guess the more more the reason I started to frame it that way was because sometimes depending on the people or group of people or person, whatever you're going to be talking to, approaching the discussion, you're going to be building a different type of bridge, or you might not be able to build a bridge, or you might just be chopping down a log and walking across a, you know, very precarious ravine. Uh, (laughs) There's just too many ways about it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But the, the bridge building does need to happen more and more. And I was just talking to Chris Hanna on his channel about that. Uh, the episode hasn't gone up yet. I don't really remember what I said, but we kind of got into the Sioux. We're, we're interested in the same conversation too. We want, because there's even bridges that need to be built in the ex-Mormon world. Mm. A lot of ex-Mormons don't like to hear the things we have to say. Um, at least that's how we feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of bridges that we could build. You messaged this. You said, um, where do you go when your foundations are uprooted, but the building still stands? And so, yeah, I wanted you to explain that a little bit. I don't know what you mean by the building still stands, because to me, like everything collapsed. There are pieces, little tiny pieces all over. And I had to rebuild stuff. Right. So what is the building that's still standing, I guess? <laughs> well, the I'd say that the imagining that it has crumbled and that there is something to rebuild is the quintessential trap because that's that's it just in different words saying we can frame it like a catholic christian way or or even or a mormon way whatever we've come into this world um and it's crumbled where we were born into sin we have to get baptized we have to rebuild and follow these rules to get back to god and when you lose that it's just the same thing all over again with different words I've been born into this ex-Mormon world and I've been taught it's, you know, I've been coming from nothing but sin, but if I just rebuild it this way, I'm fine. And it's just the same thing all over again. So when I say the building still stands, it's because you are who you are. Just because you're saying you're an ex-Mormon now, it doesn't really change anything. You're that Mm. Mormon building that's been built this whole time. You've just slapped, it's like going over to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and just like slapping a new banner on a community of Christ just because you want it to be. That's not what it is. Mm, That's interesting. Yeah. Well, I I don't know. I've been thinking of it differently. It's almost like, I I feel like we are, to, to me, that sounds like there's some true me, like that I have some true I am something, right? When when this, that's even complicated because it's like, in fact, I've been wondering like, what does it even mean to be my true authentic self? Because when I get down to the bottom of that, like I am, my experiences growing up that are all influenced by my community and the people I've touched and the things I've learned, the things that people have taught me, like, I'm not even sure who... Marty is right like I'm just like a conglomeration of a lot of different things a lot of different little identities that are all fighting each other trying to I don't know (laughs) you know what I mean does that make sense absolutely you know it does um and I mean we can kind of go back to I mean when I left and that's been one of my big problems we talked about like how I I don't really need a community Mm -hmm. and just briefly I'll I mean and I do everyone needs a community so I'm not saying yeah I'll, I'll specify that wasn't the one you missed though (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, like I need this community because I need a grocery store to you know, feed my family and that kind of thing. But the, as far as like leaving the church and that kind of community, that kind of support group. It just where to start. Okay. Yeah, I guess it's more because uh, I guess another one of those aspects that's just ingrained, especially especially in Mormonism, because um, I've had friends of many faiths and it's not as tight knit as as it is in Mormonism, as far as building a, a community and relationships with those around you and, and supporting each other in those callings. And yeah, every member a missionary and getting the sacrament to those who can't make it, that, you know, that kind of thing, that kind of support group. It's just ingrained that it's needed, needed, needed. And it, again, I'm not saying it's not in, in many regards. It is and inevitably it is in many ways. But when it comes to a time uh, to reconsider whatever you're labeling it i'll just make it easy um whatever you're deconstructing or reconstructing 
a lot of people, they don't think to consider some of the lessons that they learned in Mormonism may still be applicable. And Christ is just still a great example for many of those things. When he was having some of his biggest trials or when he had to do the things we, you know, believed he had to do for us, he went out alone and he told his community to, you know, stay off to the side and support me while I do this. Um, and there's many of those kind of considerations in there in some of his parables, like consider the lilies. And, you know, they, they just do their thing. They toil not. And mm. there's, you, know, you can say whether or not they follow me uh, as far as the next Mormon, you don't want to follow Christ again. But, but, but what is that? What does it mean to consider the lilies? Um, it kind of means to take time to yourself, to solitude, whether you want to go out in nature and be that kind of an ex-Mormon and just let yourself it's funny that this word came to mind, thrive, when I have such uh, specific issues with that kind of convention for ex-Mormons, when I think jumping from one community to another, when all those people in that community haven't figured it out either, whether or not there is beneficial support there, if you're trying to get down to the brass tacks of who's Marty, who's Christopher, what am I? If I'm not this Mormon pre-existent person I've been for 30 some odd years or whatever it is, I don't think any of that's helpful. It takes the solitude. It takes being alone and communing mm. with nature and considering the lilies and the, any and all of that. Um, and I kind of wandered a lot through that. I don't know if any of that made sense or if you had any... Well, I, I did have, I think I do kind of understand what you mean by the building still stands. Cause I remember having that, having that, um, wish that my family could know that, like, I'm still yeah. me. I haven't changed. Like I'm not going to be participating over here. And I know that's not predictable anymore, but that's one thing I wish that I could convey and it just, it's taken time. I think most of our friends and family have recognized that we haven't changed a whole lot, right? Yeah, yeah, but it does take time for sure. For them to realize that. But like, I knew that pretty early on, like I haven't changed a whole lot. Like my values are the same. In fact, it's your values that are like, oh, this is hard to, right? I'm confused about this because my values are contradicting here and I'm not exactly. able to grow in the way that I feel like I need to grow without mm -hmm making a lot of people upset <laughs> yes no 100 percent. yeah so um, i i do kind of understand but at the same time i guess maybe that's just a different subject of um it, it probably just is us being made up of what's around us because whatever made me up like that hasn't changed like my history yeah. is still the same exactly agreed so. and yeah there's uh, even different angles we can get on that if whether we want to go science route and talk about yeah nature nurture genetics or uh, or uh, for me, uh, a lot of my journey afterwards, I stumbled into um, meditation and Zen. Um, and a lot of what I say when like the building still stands and, and that kind of language, uh, it is very yin yang Zen kind of uh, approach, which can be confusing. Um, but valuable, I think, once you see it that way. Suzanne for me was very, very nice because uh, I can't think of the, the the words right now, but order and chaos doesn't jive, uh, oh. really. Uh, there's more fluidity and spontaneity and becoming than there is any definite order or arbitrary. Well, after listening to just a few of your episodes and a bunch of your content I recognize you are definitely on the more creative side at least that's what it seems like I am not yeah <laughs> I I grew up a theater kid and both my parents are writers and I wrote a lot in college um and I used to write plays and stuff so I tend to uh, lean more that way no matter what I'm writing it's interesting that you look at it that way. Cause I, that's one thing that I stumble with. Like, it's like, I want the rules, give me the rules so I can follow <laughs> them. 
And uh, yeah, that's just another one of those really hard things to uh, to detach from because, yeah, we had the standards of living. We have this for the strength of youth and the law of chastity and the word of wisdom. And all it's that. not even and, that level. It's well, not no, even it's that not, level. It's, I know. Those every, are just the basic everywhere examples. Everywhere I look, I try, I'm trying to formulate what the what's the rule here. And then I follow that rule. Not that I'm not willing to update it. Right. But yeah. I need to I need to formulate it and know what it is. And then I'll start doing it. And then, it, you know. And there, there is nothing wrong to that. I guess there is, in the end, uh, though not, I wouldn't say a finite or final end, there is an order to things, but it, again, wouldn't be, I wouldn't say it to be arbitrary or chaotic. So I don't know if you went through like a crazy phase where you couldn't get enough, like <laughs> of um, learning about church history or Ooh, no. learning learning about all the facts you never went through that phase no uh and maybe that's that is probably a key factor i'd think i'd say in a lot of what i have to say about the deconstruction reconstruction traps and it is hard to frame and that's why i wrote something i don't know if you've listened to it or skimmed it at all it's called the epistle of christopher and it, yeah go ahead it is really difficult language um and a lot of it comes from when i was really heavy in uh, a tip like a type of zen um and it isn't necessarily presented as zen uh, though there is some of that in there but it, it, it is just really hard to frame how, how you fall into this trap because it is hard to see that's why it's a trap so when i was leaving i didn't i i didn't go ex-mormon study i went uh christian I read everything ex-Christian, not ex-Mormon. So I was reading uh, things by Seth Andrews and and Christopher Hitchens. And uh, I was just avoiding anything that was a CES letter, letter to my wife, uh, whatever. See, I don't even, I can't, those are the only two I can really think of. Like I wasn't listening to Mormon Stories podcast or RFM. I knew they existed. Um, I was, yeah, I was listening to things like, uh, the thinking atheist with Seth Andrews. Um, and, uh, I, I tried like Matt Dillahunty and that kind of stuff, but the, even that wasn't really what I was into, um, like getting down to the nitty gritty of debating the Bible wasn't really my thing. And Seth Andrews did some of that, but he had more thoughtful things for me back then. Um, and it wasn't until about nine, 10 months after I had like fully, I don't, I don't remember if at that point I was like, yeah, I'm an atheist at this point. Um, <clears throat> but I had started going more on ex-Mormon spaces online and I just kept seeing CES letter, read the CES letter, the CES letter is amazing. I was like, fine, I'll read it. And so I went through it um, on a bus ride to work and then the other half on the bus ride back home. And it wasn't surprising, it, right? Not really. There was <laughs> there was one where I was like, huh, I kind of like that one. I don't even remember the specifics. Um, it was something to do with translations in comparison to the Bible uh, with the new. I can't remember. But yeah, it was just underwhelming. Um <sighs> And my, the thing that none of it was surprising, right? I had this hope that that stuff wasn't real, like not real. Um, how do I word this? I had this hope that, that, that stuff, if I looked into it, wouldn't be found. Does that make sense? But after Mm -hmm. reading it, because I was still hoping the church was true. It's how I would put it by the time I got to that. And um, the thing that killed killed my loyalty to the church was uh, the mantle is far greater than the intellect. I, I talk about that a lot because yeah, that is where I lost my loyalty to the organization. Because the whole time I'm thinking, I don't, I don't have to be a literal believer. That's fine. Like that's not what it's about, right? Yeah. But once I found that out, like yeah. it's not an yeah. organization we're supporting. Where could we jump off from there? Let's see. Well, I guess. I wonder if people that get into that hole. So I guess when I was, I was just consuming all of the things, right? I couldn't get enough. And I had a moment where I realized like, like I, I can still like picture looking up from the computer and looking up and just realizing my life is still happening around me. This yeah. that I'm reading about, like 
on all my spare time, it doesn't matter. Like I still have to do all of the responsibilities that I have around me. Right. Like, like this, this doesn't matter, but this over here does. And so it's like, I was like snapped out of it or something. And then my, my interest, I mean, there's still things that if I hear about, like, oh, that's interesting, but I can't say that I, I uh, crave it. I was craving it for a while. Yeah. I, I, for a second, I had like little waves of, of craving or, or like something would spark it in me. Uh, But yeah, it's much less and less. Um, And it probably takes something pretty big uh, for, for another way. Spark your interest. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm in a pretty deep trough right now. (laughs) Um, But uh, you know, some of it is, it's not even to say that because it's it's devastating for a lot of people uh to find out uh any and all of that whether it's polygamy or racism or uh problems with you know the family proclamation and or, or whatever it is and so there it's it's not we have these conversations and sometimes in the back of my head I'm like you sound like an asshole I'm such a firm believer in like this weird form of pessimistic op- optimism or like nothing's wrong nothing can really go wrong and nothing will go wrong and if something is wrong you'll just find yourself doing what you need to fix it and everyone's in their own stage of that hmm. um and if you can't see that in other people and apply it then uh you're in your own trap that's not even the trap of just reading history over and over again mm-hmm. there are a lot of traps that you can fall into um Right. That one I'd also label just because I know certain people will be listening as a false trap of shadow work, which is another conversation. If you can't apply that, but you're really into shadow work, you're not really into the real kind of shadow work. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's any kind of conversations you listen to. It's becoming I, more and more, but it's it's still newer for a lot of people. Well, I might be understanding it incorrectly, but um, that you need to integrate like just things, all parts of yourself. So if there's a part of you that you're not liking or something, instead of ignoring it, you should integrate it. That's my understanding, but. Yeah, that's that's the general understanding. And my I would just point out that that's a wrong understanding of what it means to integrate whatever shadow you think you have, because this just rounds back to who are you? And if you don't know who you are, who the hell is this shadow you're talking about? whether it's an animus or the shadow itself or the trickster, you you don't know what you're talking about. If you don't even know who you are, which Mm. is no one, but also you because of who you grew up to be as this Mormon ex Mormon, you now are It's a complicated Mm -hmm. matter Mm -hmm. with a lot of traps, but here we are kind of opening the doors for people so they can jump out (laughs) or jump in. Right. (laughs) Yeah. True. True. (laughs) One eternal round, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, this is just a little criticism of growing up, at least how I felt growing up in the church. It's like I feel like there's these natural steps, natural things you have as you grow up. You know, you update your model of what the world is as you start to learn more about what's going on, and then you get hit places where I felt like I couldn't be a good member and update Mm -hmm. the way I wanted to update it right like um yeah I've talked about this I don't know if I've talked about it on this channel I definitely talked about it to people but that's what I felt like Jordan Peterson allowed me to do he said just to be honest right and honesty is this policy he doesn't say it like that (laughs) he and the way he frames being honest is really great because he doesn't say tell the truth well he does but then he says or at least don't lie because the truth is actually really hard right that's the truth is yeah nobody knows what the truth is but we can at least not lie about what we think it is we can at least not mislead ourselves and those around us and Mm -hmm. then the more people we have doing that hopefully we can get closer to a better model that and and i do like that because and even the way you phrase that whether that's you or jordan peterson because there's a lot of misleading yourself uh as a mormon i think and i i give this example when i'm talking to friends i don't know if i've ever really made a video or anything about it or or written about it but 
when for priesthood holders and, and giving priesthood blessings, um, sometimes, and a lot of people have, you know, uh, said, you know, they have a similar experience. So often there's this voice in the back of your head, whatever it is that wonders and argues or, uh, whatever, is this me or is this God? Is this the Holy Spirit? Will this blessing help this individual? And there's all this anxiety that comes with it. Um, and those are little ways that you can mislead yourself, even as a Mormon, if you believe it, that's, uh, that's a little stray path that you're going down. Um, and those same little voices in the back of your head when you're discovering things as, as, a, as an ex-Mormon and reading history or, or, or wondering about your personal history, you tend to get off on the same stray paths and questioning the, the faith you have in your Mormonism and your ability to perform uh, the priesthood blessing or, or your trust in then these new sciences that you're discovering and leading mm -hmm. yourselves astray during, you know, with little conversations. I think those are things that people know that are there, but really struggle to recognize and bring to the surface. I don't want to throw any member, all members under the bus. And it's not that the correlated material, <laughs> so interesting because it's like, but, but that's the, that's the roadblock you hit. Like you, you realize, for example, as you get older and I feel like it's a, a growing up thing to realize how much you don't know. Right. Like you, yeah, yeah, you go yeah. and the older you get, you realize the more you don't know. And then all of a sudden you're struggling with why did I used to know the church was true? And now I don't like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, and even though that's like a natural growing up thing, just, I don't know. Uh, no, that was that was a big phrase for me. The first couple of years after I left was I just had to convince myself that not only I don't know what I don't know, that is the exact same for everyone around me. And that really helped me. That was an early recognition I had. Um, and that really helped me get through like an anger phase of Mormonism and wanting to fight and battle certain conversations with friends or family members because they don't know what they don't know. I didn't know what I didn't know for 28 years. Yeah. Um, and that was a big lesson that I learned. Yeah, that's true. Another thing is that there are people that maybe have had that realization. And just because you see them practicing as a Latter-day Saint, you can't just assume they haven't had that lesson yet in life. Right. Yeah. Like, like that would be a wrong assumption to make as well. Like, so it's just exactly, you just don't. So, but yeah, be, well, because I'm probably my personality and my rule following, I think that um, in order for me to maintain the, the, the belief, I don't know that I could have learned that lesson. Like I had, I feel like I had to get rid of that belief before I could uh, make that step. Yeah, 100% agree. And and there is a flip side. You said like kind of uh, on in Mormonism, we're taught, um, you know, uh, pretty much every other faith or belief system out there has some form of truth. Right. They just they just don't know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. But we've got it. Um, That's right. That's yeah. Same 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 game, different name. Uh, when you're on the outside, and then you realize, oh, I don't know what I don't know in this you know in, in one way mm -hmm. i you in if we're gonna really get down to what i am to say i don't know what i don't know is itself a trap again mm -hmm. i'd say which is, you know, is another road we could go down because who am i to not know what i don't know oh keep going down that road let's hear it <laughs> well what were your questions about you know, who is Marty earlier? Like how, how exactly? Cause there are a couple of ways we could go down this road. I could get very Zen with it or we could. Oh, actually I'm glad you said Zen. Or... Explain to me what Zen is. Cause uh, I'm not sure I know what you mean by Zen. I, I thought that was a, I thought I knew, but then you're describing in a way that I don't. I don't yeah. Well, I, I, so 
I use it as like a blanket statement for a like Eastern approach to meditation, more specifically things like uh, things that are called like a Zazen meditation, which is just a sitting, uh, no conceptualizing while you're meditating um, or Taoist approaches um, and techniques like Vipassana and Dojin, those kind of very specific, but I just kind of use a blanket Zen because I mentioned Zazen meditation, which is probably the the closest to what I'd say I practice in my day-to-day, but in my thoughts and approaches and wonderings on language and hearing uh, several like Taoist and actual like Japanese Zen monks describe that that practice in their own words, I found language traps in and of themselves. Uh, and I've said in other places, I actually I don't practice zazen meditation. I practice mushin meditation, which is the same thing in a kind of an Eastern joke. Um, mm. So, yeah, when I say Zen, it's kind of a blanket statement for um, an Eastern meditative approach for me, who's still a Westerner. Um, well, so are you talking about like a state of of um, meditation Nevada that you reach? Yeah. Like, is that what you mean by when? Like, No, because if you think you are going to reach some state of something, you're missing the point again. Can you still hear me? I I hear okay. Um. So I didn't read everything Sam Harris, um, but I did uh, use his waking app, waking up app for a long time. Um, and I listened to his Making Sense podcast for a long time. I liked him more as a speaker um, than a writer, uh, actually. So I, I tried to read some of his things. I read all of The Moral Landscape. That's the one I made it all the way through. But the other ones I just ended up kind of getting bored. So Zen. Yeah. Is it, is it, is it, is it related? Is, are they, is, is Sam Harris touching on? Yeah. And I, it's been a while since I've talked to anyone really about Sam Harris's point. So I probably should, that'd probably be a conversation Chris Hanna and I would have. Um, Cause there, once I got so far into uh, Sam Harris's kind of meditation practice, I started started noticing little things in, in his arguments where I thought he was contradicting himself or missing his own points that he was like teaching in his meditation, his guided meditations, nothing really major, but it would also just translate to uh, his debates and conversations with other people like Jordan Peterson, uh, which other people like uh, Paul Vander Clay and others rightly try to point out. Um, but he's probably the closest to anything I'd be saying in this realm as far as um, if anyone's gonna get it what I'm saying though there are plenty of ex-Mormons who just uh, relentlessly preach like Sam Harris uh, free will and determinism things which completely contradict anything he has to say about uh meditation practices and, and who you are as a self and it's it's evident that the people who cling on to these certain arguments with free will and meditation haven't gone down those other roads that he's presented yeah like where this is a, i mean this is a fun tangent i kind of formulated my own little term or i say i'm a functional determinist i'm not a determinist um but I'm not what I would say is a non-functional determinist or a non-functional non-determinist, um, which are just other little silly phrases I made to go along with my functional determinism, because it, it just became, which is also not compatibilism, which is a kind of more complicated thing to explain, which people don't often talk about when we're discussing free will and determinism. Uh, but the more I meditated and tried to wonder who the hell I am, um, and uh, comparing that to the pre-existence of Mormonism and anything I had been experiencing and whether or not I'm choosing to sit down and meditate on these things uh, of my own volition or free will, or if because 
29 years ago, it was already set in the fabric of the universe that I would sit down in a green chair in my master bedroom and have this realization as an ex-Mormon. It it just, the complexities of either side of that. um, And I really didn't until I wrote something this year, just last month, didn't fully understand my my own universal scope and breadth of what I meant by functional determinism, which is to say you are in a determined world to a large degree, but we do, like you said, we're floating around whatever is going on here with all these feelings that I'm choosing to reach over and take a sip of water now or have the relationships we do or leave the church. But any and all of that, the reason you you can just meld the two. I do have the free will to make certain choices, but it it was determined. A lot of it was before I could make a lot of those choices and maybe connecting some of the Zen, which isn't even fully Zen. It's actually a phrase I got out of the I Ching, which is a Confucian text. It's not a Taoist text. They're actually, they actually kind of have a lot of counterpoints. Um, <laughs> But the I Ching has a lot of good things to say in this one uh, section in particular. It talks about uh, uh, how we are all born into a prepotent system of relationships. You were born a Mormon and you can't change that. That's why the building still stands. And when you were a Mormon, you had the free will given to you by God to act as you pleased. But if you were going to do it in the Mormon frame, which is a determined set of doctrines and principles and standards that lead you one direction, it's determined, it's set there, it's unchanging. God doesn't change that stuff. It's a prepotent system of relationships. You're born into that. You have the free will to choose how you want to go through that path, how you want to propel your life towards uh, being prepared to go on a mission and get married through the temple. Um, And when, like how we started this conversation, when it feels like the building crumbles, that is you. uh, And again, maybe this is a language trap because we could say you're being born again into a new prepotent system of ex-Mormon relationships. And you're now free to act in this determined world outside of that Mormon frame. Um, That's one way I'd try to start describing it. Um, Though on a a universal scale, there's, there's a lot to it. And like I said, I, I just wrote a a little book that uh, gets a, a lot, deeper into this um i actually hadn't ever quite tried to frame it that way because it is very complex but that's in a nutshell functional determinism you are you were born into a determined mormon family um you had no choice in the matter you didn't choose that you had no free will but you were free to act as a human mormon until you were free to act as a human ex-Mormon. And that just continues. Hmm. That's interesting. So you're you're saying that things are determined. That's interesting. Yeah, because before before we were here on earth, if we're gonna get even before who, before we had an I am, and for Mormons, that's complicated because we had a, pre- a pre-existent I am. So if you're an atheist and you don't believe in an afterlife, your conversation has to, you have to have a starting point to your prepotent system of relationships, oddly enough. Um, and if your starting point is, is a nothingness, uh, that's kind of, a, that's a different tangent. I don't, I don't think I want to go. Oh down yeah. That. Well, no, but, the whole, the whole, the fact that we're even here, like that is that, the direct, I get a lot of awe. I, I have a lot of yeah. awe. Like, like, why is there something rather than nothing? Like that, mm-hmm. that question. In fact, I remember being a kid and, and staring out the window 
and and having um I I think I think it's, it must be easier to meditate as a kid or something like that because I feel like I feel like I was able to get into a headspace and actually scared me a few times because it's like I it got so like I was like I'd look out and I'd be like what if there was nothing like what if there were there was oh, no earth beautiful there what if there was no stars what if there was no god like what if there was absolutely nothing and then it and things would just go blank and and then I'd, I'd snap out of it and i'd have a really scared feeling i was like whoa that was scary but yeah so i've, I've not looked- been able to do that as an adult though like maybe when i was maybe 10 or younger i don't know like it's been a long time yeah so uh there was one thing <clears throat> you said in particular what if I looked out and there was nothing? Is that how you worded that? No, what if there was nothing? Like, what if, what if there, there was, was nothing? Yeah. What if there was nothing? Like, what if, what if I wasn't here? What if the ground wasn't here? What if the earth wasn't here? What if the stars weren't here? You just kind of get bigger and bigger, and then all of a sudden, like, just feels. Yeah, I, there are a lot of routes we can take, and I love this kind of conversation. But to, to take a step back, and I don't remember what I changed this to because this was three and a half, four years ago. But I remember the the question, wondering the question, why is there something rather than nothing? Um, and Zen taught me that that was kind of a bad question, mm. though I can't remember really the replacement question. And, and it might not be that, that we need a question. It's, it's rather that there is something and there is also nothing. And the reason you kind of piqued my interest and I said it was kind of beautiful, uh, because to to look out and and wonder what it would be like uh, if there was nothing. Because in meditation, if you close your eyes, it looks like you're there is nothing there. Mm-hmm. But a lot of my meditation practice has been with eyes open, and I stumbled across a practice. I had this realization, like you're describing, as a child, you can just kind of get into that uh, much more simply. Um, and I see here psychedelics is kind of involved. It, psychedelics helped me better frame it and understand it but I had this realization kind of too before um and it came uh, I came across a practice of meditation called the headless way um and once I read this the first chapter of this book called uh on having no head by D.E. Harding uh he had all the words for what I had seen uh, which was to to realize that you can't see your own head no matter what you can't see your own face every time you look out of this nothing you see all the something all the something comes to this nothing that you can't see but everyone Mm. else can see and so like you and I here while we're looking through these cameras we can see each other's faces but we can't see our own and that's I can a, see a video of my face, well, but that's yeah, not the that's same the thing. Tricky. No. no, no, it's but not the same we, thing yeah. though. It's not it's the same not. thing. At all. You know, it's not the same thing when you have a Zoom call with someone and you and, realize they're not really there either, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're not even really here. And a, a lot it's of like people- computer screen. <laughs> and a lot of people will uh, suggest against it, but I'm a, very much a proponent for meditation. I can see the open nose. In front and of a mirror. Cheeks. Yeah, and, that, and that's part of the Headless Way conversation actually, but you don't. You don't see a nose as a nose. You're just seeing this ish weird smudge that's not actually a nose. That's just a, a smudge of skin that goes huh. all the way from the ceiling to the floor. It's not a nose that you see when you see someone else. That's not a nose. That's true. Um, it's what a nose might look like if you were looking from this angle at someone's yeah, nose. <laughs> yeah. There, yeah, there are ways to go about that. But so that's one of those Zen lessons where you can see that everything, it's not that there is something rather than nothing is that all of something is born from nothing, which is also something because, and that's, that was why it was so important for the Romans and, and and numbers to get zero and figure that out because through zero, even if you write it down and, and like cut it out through nothing, you see everything, which is the point of your face through this, nothing you can't see, you see the whole world. And when you see someone else's face, you're just seeing a reflection of yourself. And in that specific meditation practice, the phrase is kind of like a namaste, though there was some uh, like ashram back in India where this guy visited and his phrase is, I am space for you. 
because all all of space it it exists here for each individual and so when you come across another human you are space literally for that human and that gets into space and time being kind of a mirage rather than illusion but this whole ashram instead of saying like namaste as a greeting and stuff they they changed it to i am space for you Hmm. because it was so poignant to the the message um that's cool and that's that's a, a lot of complicated threads pinning what i am and what's free will and i know we didn't get to the bottom of what i am huh well it's well it's difficult too yeah have you found a spiritual home then like do you feel like these practices are your spiritual home do you are you like a spiritual home of one or maybe it's you and your wife and your family like yeah does that make sense when i say spiritual home yeah, we're um we're all our own like individuals here, but we're also a unit. Um uh my wife well, and I, have a- I I would describe spirituality. It's funny because I, I had an aversion to that word for a while, but it's just yeah. a useful term. I find that spirituality is something along the lines of becoming. Yeah, and I like becoming. I I use becoming a lot. Yeah. Um but I feel like you can't just become on autopilot. Like you have to turn off your autopilot and direct where you want to become. If that makes sense. And that's, yeah. I feel like you have, I don't know. So, some people, some people do it naturally, but it seems like we need uh, spiritual practices in order to do that. So we don't well, get, get stuck in ruts and don't get stuck in autopilot. Yeah. That's autopilot's a good way of reframing determinism you recognize that you're on autopilot in the system then you take the reins and you functionally determine oh okay how how you're going to move forward and we can even bring ai into here with tesla's with an autopilot you can engage and disengage that autopilot but you're in and it's useful too because it's too much stuff going on really to be paying attention to everything all at once and and you're in that prepotent system of freeway relationships you're in a car it's determined you've got to go this direction on this side of the road and follow these rules but if you have autopilot to help you um, and you can functionally determine that you're going to engage that and stay focused that's Mm. an option and you won't feel stuck doing it either yeah so that's that's another way for you know if people were super confused at anything i was saying earlier about functional determinism that's another uh way to reframe it yeah, that's a my level way to say it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, so would you say that, so meditation, you've taken up some, medi- how often do you do that? Oh, it, it was pretty much like I've done it a couple of times just during this. It's just something you can do, um, which I think is a big point because if you don't realize that it's a, something you can do at any moment for whatever purpose you may need, uh, it, then then you're not again understanding what meditation is for it's not a 10 minute session every morning or a 20 minute session at night or something you do out yeah, in nature with- to make you feel good it can be you, you do need sure. a for a formal practice like that um I guess especially I'm in the you, beginning when you say you've done it during this interview so i'm i guess you can't do it unless you've had the practice to be able to do it right like you can't just you know what i mean yes yes and no there's and this again kind of gets into complicated i am and recognizing the observer and uh, you know seeing yourself meditate and whatnot but it goes into you you do it all the time it's like when you were a kid and the headless way talks about that a lot too one of the stages that actually says is you're uh the infant and then the child and then the adult and then the seer like four basic stages and the child, yeah, they just fall into it all the time. That's why they can be a cat. And they kind of really think they're a cat with their own cat. They're, they're just, they fall into those patterns and they get lost. And, and when they're just sitting uh, in the car driving or just staring into space, they, they see the world coming into that nothing because they don't have so many of the words that we do for all the things that are coming their way. Hmm. Um, and, and parents who are listening can notice this. If, if you've ever had a moment with your child where they're pointing at something and saying, what is that? And you can't figure out what they're pointing at. 
It's just because they're seeing something in such a way that language hasn't reframed it for them to see it in that context. Hmm. Um, because they're, they're, they've dropped into that mode of seeing just light come and accumulate in a certain pattern and shapes form differently. Um, and that can vary culture to culture. That can be a complicated matter too, but. Well, um, I'm reading Britt Weinstein's book right now for a book uh, club. And he talks about that. He talks about how um, depending on like you, you can't judge the size of lines or something like that until you get somebody that didn't grow up in a Western society. And then all of a sudden they don't fail the test. It's an optical illusion that yeah. always, depending yeah. on how you grew up um, changes the optical illusion. Yeah. Really interesting stuff. I've seen that, those kind of things too. Yeah. And uh, some of it has to do with, uh, I think architecture of the yeah. civilization and in, in the area. Straight lines grew up and in. Stuff. Yes, Yeah. Straight lines versus yeah. Other things. Super crazy. Yeah. And you start learning stuff like that and you just realize again, like how much you don't know. And it, mm-hmm. it, it gives, um, it gives you a lot of humility as far as uh, other people's perspectives. Maybe they really are seeing something that you can't see. Like you maybe can't it see does. it because of the way to grow up, right? And I've really gotten that, that in that place. Sorry, it took me a, a minute to say, uh, but uh, as and I can probably cap that off with kind of like my new spiritual home, because a lot of it does have to do, yeah, with, you know, and, and Chris Hannah and I think, I, I think this was the episode, just he and I, we both just kind of, Mormonism's real. All those millions of people who are living it, it's real, and it's real for them. Um, and uh, a lot of the spiritual home I've reached is allowing them to see the miracles they see in their lives because I would hope that they wish the same for me and a lot of the miracles and spiritual things I've seen in my life since leaving aren't far off of what Mormonism taught me anyway and so how can I I had some amazing spiritual experiences that I still don't deny to this day very openly if anyone who's read or listened to some of my stuff will have ideas um uh, so I I just I can't find that I can deny them any of that or or really critique them for holding and seeing those things because I hold and see things still too mm-hmm. and I want to be accepted for them regardless you know uh no, that's so my, true. my spiritual a lot of my spiritual home ha- has fallen into just that kind of recognition and a lot of it was through zen and meditation and and a lot of psychedelics too <laughs> it's been it's been fun chatting though that's been fun getting to know you a little bit too i've yeah seen the I've, section a lot but <laughs> yeah no i've really uh i was going down verveke's channel and then you popped up among some of my facebook stuff and then verveke was on your channel um crazy then, right yeah awesome and it was a great episode and then i went through all your stuff and you just had hannon flip on which was a great episode as well i um, recorded that so long ago i didn't realize how long it had been um, well it was good yeah. and poignant nonetheless yes um so yeah it's been great to to chat i liked the way that flip put that and i i didn't realize that he said it until i rewatched it just the fact that it's like what are you doing here right like why you just just can't leave it alone can't leave ex-mormonism alone right <laughs> yeah yep <laughs> it's just like oh you're not the only one that's like feeling just trying to help others feel like they're not crazy and that's what I liked about Mormon stories when I watched it was yeah. listening to those interviews and hearing people go through the same experiences oh man there was a what is the satire website Babylon B yeah wait is that the one yeah I just saw a headline of a, a video and it said something along the lines of ex evangelical has unique deconstruction story it sounds just like all the others <laughs> <laughs> oh I've seen something like that along those lines though yeah and then it just made me laugh because it's so true but the thing is the thing that is nice to hear other people say that is because then you don't feel like you're crazy you're like oh yeah and there and there is to tie back along that there is something to that and hearing 
other people have similar experiences or discover the same history and have the same problem with, with it or yeah. whatever and just be like yes thank you mm-hmm. thank you and sometimes that's all you need yeah and there's nothing wrong with that right so that's i really liked flips that's why i cut that out and put it at the beginning of my episode yeah <laughs> yeah that's true flip i can't i can't you're right Anyways, well, it's been fun chatting and we'll probably see you around. Yeah, any definitely. final words for people? Like, what, what any advice, wisdom that you can bestow on <laughs> those that have made it this far? Um, get over yourself. Stop taking yourself so seriously and consider the lilies, but don't follow Christ necessarily. <laughs> and And have a good time enjoy your life yeah do what you please but stop taking yourself so seriously because who are you Mm. that's great thanks yeah have a good one